Alright fella, that's done any request. Can I play your guitar? Through Wonderwall. I'm a good singer, can I sing with you? Oh, give us another. Come on mate, one more song. One more song, 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 one more song. Hello and welcome to the One More Songcast. My name's Luke. And my name's Lee. Right, today, Lee, we're swapping roles a little bit. We so uh, you're the guest in the hot seat. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I'm the host. I, I don't know if I'm going to be a good host. We'll have to see. I felt like you really delved into uh, into some deep parts. where. Uh... Well, you know, um, having done performing arts at high school, <laughs> you know, I'm able to play many different yeah, roles, yeah. Luke. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm uh... a one-trick pony. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, so should we get straight into it? What do you reckon? I reckon we should. In fact, how how the ruddy hell are you this week, Luke? Well, I'm the same as the last episode, which was recorded um, about 10 minutes ago, weren't it? So, well, yeah, the second part was. <laughs> the but... second part was. No, I'm all good, I'm all good. We're, we're, we're getting used to this new setup, aren't we? Do you want to explain a little bit about where we, where we are without giving away are. the location? Yeah, um, so basically um, my band, Flash Floods, check us out at Flash Floods Indie Band. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, uh, Flash Floods UK on TikTok, I believe. Yeah, we've uh, we've got our own little uh, rehearsal room. Um, so this is the space, nice little TV for when we want to watch some of our favourite shows. E.G. <laughs> E.G. Netflix. Netflix. Uh, I, I don't really have any. You're a big you're a big Hollyoaks fan, aren't you? Well, I used to be. Yeah. I used to be not so much anymore. Um, I I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, no offence to any Holly Hollyoaks fans out there. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's kind of our space to rehearse each week and just have a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just recently moved into it, aren't you? And it's it's really nice to be fair. They've, yeah, uh, they've done a good job here. To be fair, we've got working toilet, which was more than you can say for the last one. So yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right, let's get to the questions then. So we always start our podcast with the same question. Yep. And that question, I mean, you've been given a little bit of time to think about this, but our guests, if they don't watch, won't have a little bit of time to think about it. What does music specifically mean to you? Yeah, I have had a little bit of time to think about it. Whether I have actually thought about it is another matter, <laughs> to be honest. But to me, I think the only way I can describe it is freedom of expression. So that's coming from the artist, Um the producer trying to convey that and also trying to get it to connect with the listener is the best I can sort of describe it. Um, yeah, so freedom of expression for me. I just think that, you know, music has a meaning to someone. So whether you've expressed a certain emotion, it's always going to relate to someone. It's just something that's really relatable and Freedom of expression again. Okay, and why, why do you think freedom of expression is important? Why do you think that's a, a, good, a big thing, a good thing? Well, really, so one thing, as I said earlier, you can relate it to a listener, um, relate it to a particular time and place in your life. So just sort of begin to understand something. Um, maybe you want to put a particular message across or just get some feelings off your chest. I think... Music ticks all the boxes and it's contextually, historically, whatever you want to say. It's just 
it it works for that purpose for me. Mm. Yeah, so I have to go with that, and that's that's what that kind of means to me, okay, really. Cool, cool, right? Okay, so I really wanted to get into your early days of mm-hmm. being introduced to music, mainly because obviously we've not known each other too long, have we? No, um, and I only know you from the last couple of years, but I don't know too much about how you got started and, and the rest of it, really. So the first question I wanted to open on, well, actually, no, the first question I want to open on is. In 30 seconds, briefly, what is it that you actually do now, music-wise? Yeah, so I'm a gigging musician, instrumental and vocal coach, um, and songwriter, Mm. uh, I'd say, are my three main fields in music. So I play in two bands. One of them is currently Lost in Echoes. We will be rebranding soon. Um, So look out for that. I'll be sharing it on my Instagram and all that. Uh, I'm in a covers band called Flash Floods. We play mainly indie rock, uh, but we also we also do throw the odd curveball in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Got a couple of dancey tunes, and my main source of income really comes from uh, gigging as a solo acoustic artist. Yeah. Uh, I have the ability to do backing tracks, but yeah, it's mainly gigging mm. and instrumental and vocal coaching. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Right. So we're going to go right back to the very beginning of Lee Edgerton. So. Ooh. What are your very first memories of music? And what do you remember first listening to? Do you think this was a conscious decision or do you think it was more what the people around you were listening to at the time? Probably a bit of both. Okay. Um, so obviously at some point music connects with you at different times. So the first thing I actually really remember, I've been trying to think back to my memories whenever anyone's asked me this. I actually remember we had this little tape recorder with a crappy little coiled mic on the end of it and my dad was messing about singing along to Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis right, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the first song I really remember but my dad loves a lot of cheesy music Northern Soul oh yeah yeah um, and Motown as yeah, well yeah so I had my dad's side with that and my mum was a massive Bon Jovi fan so I was already introduced to varied sort of music varied uh, musical influences and genres. Um, within that, I then had a childminder whose son played the keyboard. All right, okay. And I saw it uh, about six years old and yeah. I thought, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> um, so I wanted to try it. So three years later, my mum and dad eventually got me some lessons and I started off on the keyboard for a couple of years and eventually um, went on to piano. And then when I was about 11, I started on the guitar. And okay. after about a year, when I actually started to practice and turn up to lessons, that yeah, took yeah. over because I was playing my favourite songs. But I've always kind of sung on karaoke and things like that as a kid. So Not in pubs at home. Oh, no. In, <laughs> Did you see like, those... on holiday? Oh, I see, I see. On Do you holiday. remember those... Um... Karaoke things you, you could get, like yeah. the X Factor ones or whatever Yeah, they yeah, were. yeah, I remember, I remember them. I remember getting one of them. I, I had one of them, yeah. yeah. It was a I, game, weren't it? Do you remember the PlayStation game? Yeah, what was that called? You basically just had to sing along to, yeah, and, I think and you were judged at the end. Game, wasn't I there? don't know how it was judged. It was like PlayStation 1, so it can't have been that advanced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I think, to be honest, it was weird because I always saw myself as more of a footballer. And yeah. as, at a young age, I was quite a good footballer. Um. But then when people started to grow, I never really brought the physical element of the game into it. And then everyone started to sort of outwit me and my pace went and then it just sort of derailed (laughs) from there. So the music always stuck from that first piano, well, first keyboard lesson, really. But it was the guitar that took over. But 
Yeah, I did have that karaoke machine. Yeah. It was um, really... I used to have to spend a lot of time on it as well, singing. I don't know if I was actually that good at that age. Um, but I'd love to have seen you singing along to some of them things. There's probably a video. I remember being at Holiday Park when I was 11 as well. And um, yeah, um, I ended up going into this talent competition and singing. I think it was Enrique Iglesias. Um, it was a, one of his songs called Escape. Okay. And we actually had to go to the local Asda in, I think it was, uh, great Yarmouth, somewhere around there, and we bought a beanie hat and some sunglasses. <laughs> I look like a right dickhead, and my mum and dad, at ten or eleven years old, let me go on stage like that, and people were just <laughs> laughing. Well, obviously you're ten, so people go, yeah. "Oh, he's cute." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. So I want to take you back to um, what you were saying, like your mum and dad were listening to, and some of the early stuff that you were listening to, yeah, with your Enriques and all that. Um, <laughs> Do you think that music from the very start that you were listening to maybe has a conscious or unconscious like um, influence in what you're maybe inspired by now in the sense of maybe doing your cover gigs or some of your original stuff? Do you think anything that you were listening to early doors is inspired a little bit by that? Maybe if you don't even realise it. Yeah, I would say a lot of it does. So I do still cover a lot of those soul and Motown records. Yeah. Um, particularly The Drifters is one of my favourite okay, ones yeah. to gig. I do Saturday Night at the Movies. Yeah. Um, I do My Girl. I do bit of The Monkees, a bit mm. of The Beatles. Mm. Not that my dad really listens to The Beatles. I kind of discovered them later on. Yeah. But I think when I was about 10 or 11 years old, I, just, I started to discover bands like Nickelback, Linkin Park, uh, Slipknot, a few heavier influences. And then when I was about 14, I started to go into an indie phase. Mm. So it was bands like We Are Scientists. I think a lot of those noughties bands made me go back and listen to the likes of Oasis, Blur, Feeder, and bands like that. So it it's still there. But I would say it's more so become my musical influence yeah. and maybe where I can hear influences from that sort of music, see, then I maybe see. I do I do still have that affiliation with it, if you like. Mm, I think without realising something, I think as well, like everything starts to connect itself as well, doesn't it? So you realise yeah. that the stuff that you like was kind of influenced by similar stuff that maybe you listened to when you were growing up as well. It kind of yeah, it does yeah, interlink definitely. a little bit, doesn't it, sometimes? But Certainly Of course does. it does, you know. Right, so we've talked about your first memories of getting involved in music and your talent show compositions and whatever else. Mm. Um, what was it that, like, gravitated you towards singing and playing an instrument, you know, whether it's guitar or piano, opposed to your football and whatever else? What what really, was there something that particularly, like, inspired you to, um, you know, say, oh, I actually want to do this, you know? Yeah, um, obviously, looking at my favourite bands, I knew I had a decent voice. Mm. I knew I had a decent voice. It needed some guidance. Um, but I entered a talent show at school, I think it was year nine, and I, and it was a Green Day American Idiot album. Yeah, it was a big yeah. album at the yeah. time. So I did Wake Me Up When September Ends, and that was my first time actually playing guitar and singing in front of a live audience. I see, yeah. So obviously I was incredibly nervous because um, all my mates were taking the mick out of me leading up to it. <laughs> and then after that, a couple of my mates asked me to join a band. One yeah. of them was a drummer, one of them was a guitarist, and I didn't even know. So this was in year nine it. at school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we set up a little band. We actually did get a single out, and it, we put it up on MySpace at oh, the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't go anywhere, obviously, in terms of releasing, because releasing music was a lot harder. I think at that point, mm. you still needed a label. 
So we put it up on um we put it up on MySpace and the whole school downloaded it yeah. from MySpace. <laughs> so it did go really big and I thought I think when that band broke up, I did try various other bands at school, but none that really stuck. Mm. So I think from then, when I got that first bug, I really wanted to do it. Right, I see. Um, yeah. And did did your football and everything else fall away at that point? Um, not so much. I was still playing, yeah. but I'd, I'd started refereeing at 14. I was into sort of everything. I was running, yeah, swimming, yeah. playing football, doing music, doing musical theatre, um, various little projects like that. And I think... Really, if I look at it deep down, I want always wanted to sing. Mm. Mm. So, always wanted to sing and play guitar in in a band. Um, and that was when I was learning solos. I was building my repertoire, and obviously then starting songwriting. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how good that song was, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I want to delve into a little bit about what music at school was like for you because I remember there was there was literally at my school there was just like one band like in our year that everyone kind of liked and and whatever else like when you were doing you when you were forming your band at school was there a lot of other people interested in music or was it very much like you were just the niche band and everybody else did other bits and bats and did you think like do you feel like school supported your music yeah no i was quite lucky at my school they uh we actually i don't know if you remember Thing. you know how people get the science fund and it fund? Yeah, yeah. We, we got the arts fund. right okay that's good so again around year nine we had a load of new facilities built into the music department yeah. there was a recording studio i did my work experience in there for a week mm. um my teachers were really good at encouraging getting involved in the school shows I even see. if it wasn't normally what they would do yeah yeah um so they had a chamber concert they had christmas concert um and they would try to encourage more bands to play and probably i i would say looking back i didn't really take advantage of it enough because it was just i was doing what i wanted to do um but yeah music and performing arts and art were really really well supported yeah, yeah. so it was, I always have great memories mm. um, and particularly most of the time because I really connected with it. I always felt, apart from like the classical jazz musicians, I was probably up there with the best in my year with the poppy, yeah, more see, pop, indie rock, more contemporary styles yeah. of music, I'd guess. I guess, uh, popular music elements. So, yeah, I think I was really well supported and pushed to an extent to get involved in as much as I could. So I am I feel very lucky that my school was like that. That's good, that's good, yeah. And that's kind of shaped you to maybe what, what you to continue with yeah. today and whatever else, yeah. So, right, so this might be a bit of a stretch now. So you obviously said you had your first gig at school and that was your first memory of singing and playing in front of an audience. When did that lead you then from doing it at school to having like your first actual gig out of school where you're maybe being paid for it or you're, yeah. um, you know, it's out of curricular, I suppose you call it. Yeah. Extracurricular. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. Out so, of curricular. <laughs> um, I was 17. Um, I was in college. Um, I had, I was surrounded by terrific musicians at that college. Yeah. Ipswich. So is that it what was, you were studying at? at um, yeah. Um, I, I actually went against my parents uh, because they said I wasn't organised to go for college because I grew up with a condition called dyspraxia, uh, which does 
it affects the motors in your brain. So basically there's gaps in your brain waves. Oh, right. So you lose concentration right, easily. Yeah. You're easily distracted. It tends to have crossovers with dyslexia and stuff okay, like that. Yeah. So academically, I wasn't very strong. Um, but my coordination, this is the biggest surprise that I'm able to sing and play guitar because my coordination <laughs> was awful. Um, but, Did that take you a while then? Or I'm guessing because yeah, you'd done it from younger. I'm guessing yeah, it was just I played guitar nature. for a couple of years yeah, before I tried yeah, singing yeah. with it and I just eventually just practiced yeah. that much that yeah. I got used to it. Um, I still struggle with certain elements. So where people can play with technical riffs, it's not mm. something I can really do. But I would say... I would say that those musicians were ridiculous and I got forced more down the singing route because I realised I wasn't as good as a gu mm. on guitar as half of these guys. And we played a gig in college um, and then that led to us getting booked for a private party, which we right, charged yeah. peanuts for. I'd be embarrassed <laughs> for that free now, that fee now. Sorry. So how many people were in this band then? Four of us. Four um, of it was like right. classic rock covers. Right, okay. So we were doing a bit of ACDC, okay, The Who. Uh, Rolling Stones were in there, yeah. bands like that. And then that band broke up and I set up my own band where we were just doing sort of anything. We did a bit of Van Morrison. We did a band called Porcupine Tree, who were relatively unknown. We did the Fratelli's Chelsea Dagger because yeah, that was yeah, a big a, yeah. big tune out at the time. Yeah, We tried other things. And again, I was lucky to be surrounded by incredible musicians. So that was my earliest memories of gigging, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about that very first gig then. So... Um, is there any experience that you you know you got from that that sort of inspired you to keep moving forward or was it a bit of a reality check when you actually got up there and performed in front of say like like you say your private do yeah I would say that one was a big lesson because the college gig we'd had obviously the families are going to be there there's going to mm. be loads of people in the crowd supporting it or whatever and plus a few members of the public that just happened to come mm. and watch a gig um so that one was absolutely bouncing. We were the headline act of the night. And then the next week, we're playing to probably about 10 people. We were put on really early at this party. Okay, yeah. And we just got barely any reactions from yeah. any of the songs. So it was a bit, it was a bit depressing. I don't, I don't I want to use that word so it lightly. didn't go the way you imagined it, maybe? No. No. No, I was thinking, oh, well, we just had that gig. There was loads of people there. This yeah. is a party. Surely loads of people are going to be there. And it mainly ended up being, like, a lot of kids were there with their families yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So they had a DJ on afterwards for the rest of the night. Um, I think it was a reality check. The one after that, um, in the first gig with my new band was probably miles better. We yeah. had quite a few. We had about 20 people in the audience mm. and they were singing along to all the classics and it was more like how yeah, we had imagined yeah, yeah. it. So, yeah, it was a reality check. I'd yeah, say. yeah. So you asked me yesterday, so so now we're at the point where I suppose you're kind of gigging a little bit more outside of college and whatever else. Um, what, were the, what were the challenges that you faced when you first got into um, gigging fairly regularly with your band? Yeah, um, sort of probably set set list because at that point you're a teenager, you want to rebel against the norm and don't want to yeah. play all these popular covers I and see. sell out. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to get original music in there and get okay. people to listen, uh, getting people to gigs were the yeah. two big challenges. And also, I'd say massive performance anxiety. You reckon, yeah. Yeah, I was so nervous before right, gigs. Okay. I used to get so worked up and then that would 
at that point probably feed into my performance. Yeah. But after a couple of songs, I generally realised that, you know what? We've had a really good reaction from those two. This must be going well. Yeah. This yeah, is going to be all right. You do calm down, don't you? You settle in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, the nerves before gigs, the pressure I was putting on myself in that sense, um, and probably, probably an element of not really knowing how to promote it was probably the worst bit. Um, not knowing how to promote gigs was just awful because you'd invite all your mates and then you'd get, oh, no, I can't make it. And then you're just there mm. constantly fretting about how many people are actually yeah. going to turn up to yeah. this gig. Yeah. So, yeah, they were probably my biggest challenges. How did you cope early doors then with, um, with you know, you were saying you were rebelling. And I imagine as a teenager as well, that's probably... Um, you're probably more stubborn with stuff like that. So how? Obviously, you said you're into your heavy rock and whatever else. What if you went to a party and you, you're asked to, you know, you you mainly me meant to do like your brown eyed girls and that kind of thing? Did you kind of conform to that or did you rebel to it for a while? You know. Well, we did the real big fish version, so that probably helped me enjoy that one okay, more. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So real big fish are like a ska punk band for ah, anyone see, that doesn't see, know. Yeah. So it was a lot more fun to play. Yeah. Um, the fact was, mate, really, that we did just add more popular songs mm -hmm. in. Um, I think we did a version of the four chord song, which I'm not sure how good it was at yeah, all. Yeah. But we just figured out more popular covers to go in. And as long as you set, it made me realise, as long as your set is filled mainly with popular covers, you're probably going to be all right. Yeah. Um, and chuck the odd one in that maybe people don't know, and it will go down in some places, go down well. Mm. So... Yeah, I think it sort of made me understand that. Listen, this is what people want to hear. Just go for, it. just mm. go for those ones, and then chuck chuck the others in mid set. Yeah, so, and it was more about where to place those ones that maybe mm. people weren't going to know. Mm. But yeah, you have to let go of some of that sort of stubbornness and just play what people like. I think to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so. We're at the point now where I want to start talking about slightly different things. So maybe it's a good time to have a little bit of a break. What do you reckon? And, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see you shortly. Cheers. Hello there. It's Lee from the One More Songcast. Sorry to interrupt your episode today. However, this is a public service announcement. So we need as many of you as possible to follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at TomsCast1. This gives you the opportunity to see the best highlights from our episodes. So the games we do, the chats with guests, we'll be clipping up bits and putting them on there for you guys to see and keep up to date with each episode. So follow us on that. If you do have any suggestions, either get them in the comments of the videos on those platforms or email us at tomscastmusic at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast and rate and review it on the podcast platforms that you're listening to. Thank you very much for listening, all one of you. See you soon. Hello there, back to the episode. So, Lee, you're not a little boy anymore. No. Nope. You're growing into a, a, a man, the man you are today. Oh, I'd so, say uh, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've talked about, um, obviously, growing up, the influences that you've had and um, your sort of school life with music. So yeah. um, little Lee's going to uni now. He's packed his bag. Where right. did you go to uni for starters? So um, for those of you who don't know, I actually grew up down south in Ipswich. Mm. Um, 
well, a small town just outside of Ipswich called Felixstowe. Um, Which is ironic, isn't it? Because my grandparents are from the same area. Yeah, yeah. So it's East Anglia, East Anglia isn't yes, it? Yes, East Anglia. If you don't know that part of the world, then it's, yeah. It's a, it's a foreign land to yeah, people from uh, outside. Tractor town, isn't it? So. Tractor town. Um, yeah. yeah, so I grew up there. I wanted to get out of Felixstowe because it's a very small town. I'd mm. kind of fallen out with a lot of all my old school friends and lost contact for whatever reason and I wanted to get out so I wanted to come to the northwest then but unfortunately I didn't get into the my first choice university okay um so I moved on to uh Chichester University on uh the south coast it's uh, east Sussex so I went there um lived with three incredible housemates in the first year and some even better ones in the next couple of years. Um, not disrespecting any of the uh, other housemates, it's just there was maybe less tension between them. <laughs> um, and I think I became greater friends with one of them later on in life. Um, and one of them I still talk to every now and then now. So really, it was more of a classical u- music university, um, but it did have... The jazz element to it so it, it enabled me to discover different styles of music mm. than what would probably my remit um and i ended up deciding in the second year to specialize in composition as opposed to performance because i felt like i could do that anyway right i see yeah um when you say composition, I just imagine that guy. Going, yeah, the, oh yeah, the conductor. Uh, <laughs> is that the same thing? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> right, not okay. at all. So a conductor is like a musical director. Right, I see. I see. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're a timekeeper, whereas in a band you've got a drummer for that. Uh, yeah. um, composer is more like someone that writes. It's like a songwriter for instrumental music. There are, there are, mm. there is a distinction between composition and uh, songwriting. Mm. So you'll have um, a songwriter will be writing, telling a story, trying to get it within three minutes. A classical composer is trying to describe a particular emotion through the music. I see, I see. And it's more probably, I'd say it's probably more technical than most of the pop songs you hear. There's a lot more intricate parts for different um, styles of music but yeah. the ideas are kind of similar really so when you got to uni then did you notice a massive progression in your development as a as a musician what was the was it what you expected the course you were doing or did, did no you, no not at all do you want to explain that a little bit then so yeah i was going there as a songwriter and i thought there may be more popular music elements than there were mm. and when it was popular music it was more about the social and political context of it in the first particularly in the first year um and it was a lot more about historical social contextual sort of things when you were right. studying particular pieces so yes i did get to write songs i did get to compose music but it was for specific purposes so it led me down a completely different path i see which probably still has a massive influence on what I do now. Okay. Um, and it helped me understand the idea of instrumentation and arrangement within yeah. music and how to maybe bring out the best of certain instruments in songs I see. Um, that I would never have really known before. So did that then... So 
by this stage then were you starting to write your own songs and your own music um, if you were understanding a lot a little bit better I had I had already uh, yeah. started that process so I'd recorded a couple at college um, mainly acoustic versions and again lyrically I was I was a bit too blunt um, so really it, this sort of developed the musical side it wasn't lyrically I was getting better at this point it was musically I mm. was. I was probably at the best of my game or developed from the immaturity into towards where I am now with writing songs yeah. and stuff like that. So it was working with instruments that I wouldn't have normally worked with. So there was challenges where we had to write songs for films and stuff I like see, that. Yeah. Um, or not write songs for films, compose music for action pieces in mm. films and documentaries and adverts and things like that. So it enabled you to learn about what different instruments could actually do, what they were capable of, yeah. typical techniques within a particular genre of music or style of classical music. And it just gave me some real context into the background of these musical instruments or styles that I wouldn't have otherwise really thought I about. See, yeah, I see. Okay. So... You said you had a bit of, um, you fell off a little bit at uni with the music. Um, you tell me what happened there a little bit. I suppose, did uni life get in the way a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, again, that immaturity. Um, I've always had a problem of being very impulsive. And <laughs> also, I still probably have a problem where I do like a beer and sometimes it does get distracting. And I've kind of curved that one to an extent now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I go out, I'm I'm all in. You know, and that's the, that's the issue. If I'm committing to something, I will go all in at yeah. that. Um, and I probably the one thing that if I could have had my time at uni again, I would have got involved in more. Again, like I said at school, I didn't yeah. get involved in the jazz band and things like that. And I th feel like that would have made me a better guitarist better musician mm, I see. and helped me understand certain things before I went to uni and really shaped me but I, I was thinking I was good enough you know uh, you know people just aren't getting it it was their problem I think that attitude sort of didn't lead me to go and actually focus on recording my music and getting anything out there quick enough so if I'd have had my time again, I would have got a little demo together, mm. gone round to pubs, gone to open mic nights, gone to these whole sort of really got involved with things outside of the uni. Yeah, yeah. And I would have been a gigging musician and actually spent my money on a PA system <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. to get me gigs yeah. around the local area. Because I was 10 minutes from the city centre yeah. uh, in Chichester and... You know, there was pubs that had music on, mm. so I had no excuse um, other than other than really, I suppose, my own mental stigma towards people. I wanted to play these sorts of things. I wanted to play my own music, and I always felt like maybe I had a bit of an attitude okay, problem yeah, yeah, at that yeah. point in that sense. I see, yeah. So, okay, so... Um... So you, I want to talk a little bit about your solo stuff. So obviously you've you mentioned a little bit about, um, you know, having that chance to maybe approach pubs and whatever else. So at uni, I imagine you were in quite a few, were you in a few bands at uni as well? 
I was in I was in a band at uni. Yeah. Um, so how did you go then into um, doing mainly what you do now, which is some of your solo stuff? So playing acoustic on your own, singing on your own. Was it was there a first gig you remember for actually doing it on your own as a rather than a band? Yeah. So I used to do um, little acoustic open mic nights and things yeah. like that, and I did start out with a few uh, solo gigs as well. But I always felt more comfortable in a band. I yeah. wanted to, you know, share that experience on stage with my mates. I wanted it almost to be like a football dressing room in that sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I never realised what I could actually do with an acoustic guitar at that point. Yeah. You know, I was a relatively good guitarist. I'm still relatively good. I'm not amazing, but I can make it. I feel like I've got the ability to sort of make an acoustic guitar sort of I guess give the impression of having a band behind me mm. um so that one didn't going on my own didn't actually develop until much later on right so what what age are we talking then I'm talking it late into my 20s oh right wow okay. so yeah I do remember doing a couple of open mic nights playing solo songs doing my own songs or doing a cover but it never really gave me the same satisfaction as being in a band at that point. Has that changed over time, or do you think you still don't get that same satisfaction? Because I don't have anything to fall back on in regards to a band, but you, you're still obviously involved in bands, and you play on your own as well. I, I kind of separate that now. Yeah. I kind of, you know, you've got to separate the politics of certain things. There's benefits to it. You know, mm. if, I, if I'm available for a gig, I book it. Yeah. You know, so it's, in that sense, it's easy. Mm. Um, there is still that element of feeling a little bit lonely, but you get used to that feeling. It yeah. feels less lonely because yeah. you realise you've got an audience full of people that are loving what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're listening to you. They're there to listen to you. So you've got to give them a show. And I've probably learned to enjoy it a lot more. I see, I see. So the the tricky part, obviously, is in bands and that, you, you, you can make a certain degree of money, but it's mainly more of a hobby or if you're doing originals trying to, get to maybe the next level rather as with solo i suppose it it can be more classed as, as a job or an income can't it obviously you're still enjoying what yeah. you're doing but all the proceeds of what you're getting from that night go to yourself don't they so yeah it's... i think i think probably part of me changing my attitude towards that was actually that you know i think at one point one of my bands there was if there was a few issues going on at the time and i maybe wasn't un as understanding as i should have been um and there's issues with myself, there was issues with different band members, and I just got really impatient. Mm. So I had a PA system there that I bought for like 100 quid. It was a 100-watt PA system, maybe even less. I think I bought it for 40 quid, second-hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't amazing, but I just thought, you know what, I'm sick of doing this, waiting around for people to get gigs or whatever, so I'm just going to go out and get my own gigs. I've got a load of covers there that I've learned. I've yeah. got some original ideas for myself that I want to implement. And I think it just came to a point in 2018 where I was like, do you know what? I'm going to make something mm. of these songs. That's what I experienced as well. So I think obviously when you're in a band and there's four, five, six members of that band, every gig that you get offered has got to be run through six people, isn't it? So if two of them go, oh, I can't do it this weekend or you know, I don't really fancy that one. It, it, I imagine in that sense, it can be a lot harder to, to consistently get gigs. Whereas yeah. if someone comes to you with a gig, it's like yes or no, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, effectively, yeah. Um, you just check the calendar and book it. And it's, that's what I found frustrating in my short time being in a band is that you have got to run everything. And 
you know, people have their own lives at the end of the day. But yeah. you sometimes feel like you're stuck, don't you? Um, yeah. In certain bands anyway. Um, yeah. Maybe not with the band you've got now, um, but yeah. No, I, th- I mean, there is that element of it, like where, you know, we're in a five piece and before that we were a four piece. So if one of us couldn't do it, we really couldn't do the gig. Yeah. We'd either get a dep in, which we did do a couple of, excuse me, a couple <laughs> of times, um, or... Or we wouldn't do the gig. We, we, we'd lose a gig. Yeah. And it got to the point, I think, for me, where it was sort of like I felt like we could have had more gigs than we were doing. And, you know, it was all about getting out and playing because I'd kind of lost that for a while. So I wanted to really just get out there and gig. And that's probably where I began to enjoy the acoustic element yeah. um, a little bit more. I started going to more open mic nights, yeah. getting gigs for myself, and it was also to promote the band in a way. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, like you say, you're relying on other people. It's not so much a problem in Flash Floods now, but it does make a difference yeah. if one member is missing. Yeah, you can absolutely. hear it. Yeah. So to be honest, it's easier in both bands now because we've got a good mm. good group of people. Mm, definitely. And, yeah, we've just come to it. You have to establish what your rule is in that situation. Yeah, yeah. If one person can't make it, do you go on as a four? Um, can you really be without that missing person? I see, I see. So obviously we've gone all the way from when you first started gigging, even at college, to um, starting as a solo when you're 28. And obviously, you know, you've been doing that for four or five years. Have you noticed venues changing that time and audiences changing that time as well? So, you know, the songs that people want, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, to an extent. So I think the popular songs are still the popular songs. Obviously, mm. the only thing is that the popular songs of the time will change. Mm. Um, I still think most of the indie classics, if you like, are still quite prevalent. So, you know, if you play like the Kooks Naive or something. Yeah. So when I was starting out, say, late, late 2009, I think those songs would still be prevalent the ones that I was playing in that band. Um, you know, you've still got Brown Eyed Girl, which is a bit timeless. All those so- older songs seem timeless, whereas now you get the odd one, like Not 19 Forever came out. That's still yeah, pretty yeah. prevalent in yeah. most people's sets and what we do. You do get the odd gems come along, don't you? Like, obviously, it's Jerry Cinnamon at the minute. That yeah, Jerry wants. Cinnamon. I find Jamie Webster's going down a yeah, lot better than yeah. what I thought people would have reacted to it. They seem to come few and far between these days, though, don't they? Um, yeah, and I feel like... It's quite hard to cover a grime song or some heavily yeah. produced, like, you know. <laughs> I feel like at one point it was very much you were either rock or indie. Yeah, yeah. And if you weren't one of them... You you were a backing track singer mm. doing pop covers and yeah. and tribute acts. Yeah. So there's still that demand for tribute acts. Um, I feel like because budgets have changed though, and also there's a lot more acoustic artists in the last 10, 15 mm. years that have come about, I feel like pubs and stuff have opened up to acoustic acts more. I think so, yeah. So Coming into it in 2018 was probably, I was probably a couple of years later than it should have been. Yeah. Um, because acoustic music is going nuts, particularly in the Northwest. Uh, it is absolutely mm. heaving for it. You see so many well, The venues are changing it. as well, aren't they, a little bit? Um, I was going to ask you a little bit about that, but obviously I've noticed in my short time of doing it, there's like, 
your micro bars are popping up more where yeah. you have to be more you can't have a band in these places no. so you have to be more versatile and and have a smaller sound system and it's just you obviously yeah um so yeah i think you're right with the acoustic artists are becoming more popular um yeah yeah i i think so too so right so i wanted to ask you this question okay so do you, this can be from when you very first started music, maybe to even more recently. Has there been um, something either really positive or on the flip side, really negative that someone said to you about your music career that say has driven you to really stick at what you do? So it could have made you believe in yourself more. So it could have been something really, really positive or it could have motivated you to prove somebody wrong. So it could have been something that really right. stuck with you. You know, is there anything you can think of that fuels um, you now? There's a few things, really. I think almost more than anything, my attitude changed towards going to it because now I do it full time. And I think there's a couple of people in my life that have obviously been there as support and influences. But I remember saying to a, a bloke one time that I, he said, what do you want to do? Because I'd finished uni. Or I was I had a year left or something. I said, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on and be a full time musician. Mm. He said, Good luck. Mm. I said, <laughs> I said why good luck? He said, Well, you do well to make that. You do well to make any sort of money out of that because I don't see pubs paying too much for that. I said, There's put bands in pubs all the time. Like, mm. there's people that do it, make a living off of that. Yeah. I mean. What I probably didn't uh, factor in is there's people with multiple streams of income. So whether it's they're yeah. teaching, they're doing artwork or whatever, or they're producing music and you know, working in a studio or music shop, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's professional musicians out there that probably have other jobs uh, within music as well. That's sort of what you do a little bit as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that was probably one thing. My dad being like, well, you haven't got any gigs, you haven't got any equipment to go out and do gigs, you need to get some money behind you. So it was like, you, you, if you're going to live in this house when I came out of you <laughs> and lived there, back there for a year, you need to be earning money. So yeah. I had to go and get a normal job. Um, but I'd say in terms of actually encouraging it and um, doing that, I said there's probably a bit of rebellion there that m made me want to do it yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of actually encouraging it, I've had quite a few, but there was a gig at the Rose and Crown. Surely. Uh, yeah, and surely. It's getting mentioned a lot, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> mate, I'd play there so many times. Yeah. But there was this couple that came there, and one of them said, like, do you work through the week? Because you shouldn't need to. Right, yeah. I don't think you realise how good you are. Yeah. And probably by that point, I had sort of got to the point where I, I know I'm good. And maybe I was maybe being overly self-critical at some point, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agreed with him in a mm. way. Like I probably don't realize where my potential's going at, or at that point I didn't. And I think I am building some sort of momentum. I can feel it. There's, you know, there's something in the air. You can feel when you're getting it right. Yeah. And I think without wanting to sound arrogant, I think, I feel like it is something that, yeah, that's probably made me want to push it even further. Yeah. And also, like, just comments from the bandmates, like, how I've improved since I've been with the band or since they've started playing with, uh, playing in the band with me. Um, 
comments about my songs. I'd say things like that would they would they were th three specific situations that probably influenced my music career going where it has. Hi, how you doing? It's me, the daddy. Just wanted to take a moment out of the episode to promote a certain somebody today, a certain Stephanie Collette that has been helping us out, getting us started with filming, with lighting, with a little bit of photography as well. So big shout out to Stephanie. You can find her in Chorley at her studio. It's above the Blue Light Cafe, I believe it is. She does web design, photography. She does filming as well. She does all sorts of things in that sector. Um, and we'd really like to promote her. So her details are going to be in the link in the description below. So you can check her out if you want anything that's music related or, or even just family shoots she can do as well for you. So a whole range of things. And she's really good. We can vouch for that as well. So go check her out. Back to the episode. I'll see you later. So we just had to break due to a technical error. E.g. my battery on my camera ran out. So uh, you can tell we're, we're experienced with this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we were talking about some of the uh, comments that have been said to you over the years that, yeah. you know, ne negative or positive. So you were talking before we broke off about your bandmates as well. So Yeah, so we've gone through the negative situation. So they were the main two there. Uh, there's two positive ones that I can sort of really remember now. Um, my bandmates have sort of just, just before I went full time, had been commenting about how well, it'd be, how much had improved as a player in general, and they how much they really liked the acoustic stuff. Um, so that was encouraging. Um, my other band more so songwriting, I'd say, and uh, just having having the tunes always, always a guest what they needed to be. Mm. So in that sense, it made me feel like I was ready to do it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that really triggered it, not not so much triggered it, but just reassured what I was actually thinking anyway. Um, I'd been having a few rows at work and I was telling my mate about it once. And uh, we both listened to a podcast called Have a Word. Yeah, of course, yeah. And my mate, my best mate, Tom, He's been my best mate now for about eight, nine years, mm. and he had a word with me. <laughs> um, so he basically said, he got off the phone to me, and about half an hour later, he goes, he just rang me back and said, listen, Lee, I've just been thinking, because I'm now going back to uni to be a quantity surveyor. Like, I just look at you. You're probably the cleverest lad I know. You've got this ability as a musician. Like, why are you not using it? Right, okay. He said, there's so much you could do. Like, why don't you get back into your teaching? I was like, he's like, you, you, you've you, got something there and you're not using it. Yeah. So you're just doing gigs at the weekend like it's a hobby. He said, mm -hmm. I know how much that means to you. So you can see it on stage. You absolutely love it. What are you doing? Mm. And basically, randomly, I'd been looking for sort of college teaching jobs, looking to get back into teaching. And all of a sudden, this job came up to go into teaching uh, guitar and instruments in schools, basically, and vocals or whatever. And it just popped up at totally the right time. I, I caught COVID uh, <laughs> um, at the end of 21, and basically within two weeks, I got two schools that I was going to work at. Okay. 
and begun to hand him a notice. Right, I see. So yeah, that was a big. That was probably the final one that made me think, yeah, I'm I'm in the right career here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, got, I'm doing the right thing. And just briefly, um, so obviously, like you say, you do teach in schools. Doing, um, I'm guessing you you're just doing guitar lessons, piano lessons. Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, guitar, piano. Uh, there's bass in one school, um, drums in one school, um, ukulele comes up a, a, in a yeah. couple. Um, so do you see a lot of your, your your younger self in a lot of these these kids being given the opportunity to be taught by somebody like yourself who's had that um, positive experience at school yourself um, learning instruments and singing? Yeah, um, I think it's more so in the high school, like where they know what they're doing. Mm but they do tend to drift towards singing like their idols. Yeah. Um so I was I was obviously at 14 years old heavily influenced by you know the likes of Oasis, Nirvana. So every song I sung I would almost try and sing it like yeah, that. Yeah, I see. So I never really had that style. Can we get a preview of that? Oh. <laughs> um I don't think there's any evidence of it to be honest. But yeah, it was just guiding towards it, it was just more like guiding them towards getting their own style. I see. And just reminding them to enjoy the learning process because Definitely. that is one thing I always did. And I do see it in them. Like, you know, you can see when they're happy, when they've achieved yeah, something, yeah, when yeah. they've finally got that bit they were struggling on. You do have to remember that, don't you? I think, especially like as we get older and time's always of the essence. Yeah. You always feel like you're rushing to learn a song or you're rushing to do this and that, but... Actually, just the enjoyment with all the time on your hands to actually sit down and learn an instrument is actually a great yeah. pleasure, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Oh, it's like, you know, as much as I love love writing songs and stuff like that, you know, there's just a feeling that comes from playing live, and especially when you've got a new song and it's gone down really well. Mm. Um, like the band recently introduced Castles in the Sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the old 90s yeah, dance, yeah. dance song. We introduced that, and... We had grafted at this song <laughs> ages, like trying to get it right, like rerunning the intro a million times. Chris must be sat there bored half the time because he can't <laughs> even, he can't sing over any of this. But we've got to a point like where every gig people are like, like wondering what it is. And then some of them are hearing the guitar part and going, I think I know this song. Yeah. Then it hits in with a, do you ever question? <laughs> And like you just see the expression on people's faces go, <laughs> oh, um, and get really excited. I'm going to so, try and clip that picture of you just doing that. Really. <laughs> yeah, social media, that is going to look really attractive. Um, yeah, if you do see it, rate it out of 10. Um, give me 10. Um, <laughs> but no, like, yeah, the thrill of that. The thrill of the work and the graft you put in it, because some of it can frustrate you the hell out of you. Yeah. It can be bits in songs that just really wind you up yeah. when you're learning them. And that's where you do forget to enjoy it. But just that learning process to know when it's all worth it or that it's all going to be worth it and just remind yourself that it's all going to be worth Definitely, it is yeah. really important. Right, so obviously you asked me this at the end of the episode. So obviously we've we've learned your journey up to this point now. So where do you see yourself going from here? What's the What's the goals coming up? Right, well, I've uh, just recorded a new single. You've heard it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've finally found my style in songwriting. I yeah. really do feel like I've found that sort of folky indie rock. So so 
is this so obviously you've sent me the one that you've just been record had recorded is this the first one that you've had properly like studio recorded by somebody else as well because i know solo studio record yeah. yeah um this one it was taken in from its bare bones as an acoustic guitar and vocal and we, I, you know, I had rough ideas, but it's the first time I've ever worked with top class producers. Yeah. And I mean, you can see the difference in the way yeah. they work. Um, I went to St. Helens. It was Catalyst Studios for that one. And basically, yeah, you know, we're coming up with parts within this and they weren't rude, but they were very blunt mm. about what they were looking for. I see. And they'd hear a part and it was just like, within two seconds, like they barely heard any of this right. idea. They've heard the first glimpses of this idea and gone, no, that's not I, That's not it. Right. And I was like, And what if you Whoa. then say, um, yeah, but I want that bit. <laughs> I think there's an element, and this is probably why it was the right time to go into the studio for me, yeah. because I'd have been very precious about my music when I was younger and probably why I didn't release I stuff see, earlier. See, yeah. So... You go in there and the idea is the producer is your musical director. So you've got to hand some of the power over mm. to him because these guys have released, well, not released, but they've mixed stuff for bands that has gotten to Radio 1. Yeah, They've been at it for years. They, they've recorded bands like Viola Beach, yeah. for example, who were just becoming something big before, well, before what happened to them in 2016. Mm. Um and it was sadly brought to a close. And, you know, they know what is going to work on radio. They know what people yeah. are lo looking for. And they're working with the current the current up-and-coming bands. Mm. And they have people traveling from everywhere to go to them. So it's like, you know, listen, these guys will have the answers. And they cut out a bit of my song as well. Uh, <laughs> cut out a bit no. of my second verse. And I was like... A little bit like, okay, but I, I made the decision <laughs> yeah, well, to go with obviously it. Obviously, I've listened to it, and it all seems like, you know, the, the story still flows, and, and it, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a good job. I said to him in there, like, do you know what? To be honest, I thought that, mar that mm. part might be missed, but if I was listening to this for the first time, I'd never have known no. there was another part there. And that was a, that was a genius. Of That's it. the thing. You know all the all the processes yeah. before it, whereas somebody who's listening to it won't. So Yeah, um, and yeah. I think I think there's an element of letting go, but these guys know what they're doing and you've just got to trust them. Cool. Um, and, yeah, I saw the level because, you know, what I'm doing at home on GarageBand or Reaper is not going to be the same as what, these guys are yeah. doing in a professional studio with hardware inputs and plugins and stuff yeah, like that. Definitely. And you know, they're, they're working with boutique pedals, real instruments. And I got the mix back and it just sounds huge. Yeah. 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 And every part I feel like is distinct and has a meaning. Yeah, so absolutely. So, uh, so you've, so you've recorded this song now. So, yeah. um, so that obviously one of your goals for this year is to, is to obviously get that out there as best you yeah. can, promote it as best you can. Yeah. Um, what else do you think? Um, obviously I want to try and expand my gig radius. So I want to sort of look further into the Northwest, maybe travel a little bit further for gigs, maybe go into the Midlands a little mm. bit in East, um, West Yorkshire, sorry. Um, I'm just looking to broaden my horizons a bit and, really hammer down on the band songwriting and the um a solo songwriting not flash floods by the way yeah um, the other band and just try and try and improve get more new songs in and uh get myself 
get myself higher up on originals, original lineups, really. Yeah. And would uh, you be prepared to come if this song, uh, song does start being a little bit bit successful? Then are you prepared to maybe come out of some of your um, your cover gigs and, and maybe do a few original slots as well? Because I know that's that's the thing that yeah. you can get yourself into too, isn't it? Um, yeah, I have a few friends that um, go and do the original bands venues and stuff is that something you consider as yeah, well? yeah definitely I, I i've always loved that element i've done it with the other band and i've also done it acoustically a couple of times and you know there's nothing better than playing your own song live and if this one does get any bigger then i've had i had it once or twice where people have been singing along to my song yeah yeah and that will give me a better feeling than any cover i ever play mm. you know you could have a hundred or a thousand people singing along to a cover, but if that's your own song mm. no, in absolutely. that place, absolutely. you're not going to get a better feeling. So, yeah, I do want to get more original music out there uh, if I can re- afford the recording fees. <laughs> um, maybe next year, probably more originals, lineups is more realistic, but a few, a couple this year would be yeah, really yeah. nice. Good stuff. Um, and yeah, just keep enjoying being self-employed and doing what I do and become a better teacher, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, okay. So we're going to change the tact of uh, the rest of the show now. So we're going to be more quick-fire questions and that kind of thing. Is that good with you? Yeah, that's good, mate. So um, we talked about my tragic um, most memorable gig story. So I'll hand this one over to you. Oh, What's Christ. the most? It doesn't have to be negative. We have to say that. It could be that everybody was just enjoying what you were doing and that just sticks out to you. But what is your most memorable gig story, do you reckon? Right, there's, there's two. There's a positive and a negative. Um, so a positive one for me, one of my favourite venues to play at is a venue called Fatbird Live Lounge in Wigan. Okay. Um, and this particular night, I got booked for a wedding. My best mate and his uh, partner had turned up to mm. it. Um, they seemed to really enjoy themselves. Um, and basically, it was the night I discovered Castles in the Sky as being a really good <laughs> cover. And that was the night I decided we need to get this in the band. This is quality. Basically, you, you get two slots at Fatbird. You do a half-seven slot. Or a nine thirty. Generally, if generally they have a residency mm. in nine thirty, and you support them, so I played the half seven slot, and it was the second time I played there. The first time I played there, I didn't really know what to expect. So no one's in there at seven o'clock, and you're thinking, mm. Mm. start at half seven. By half seven, the place is packed. It's weird that, isn't it? You know, you turn up and there's no one there, and then you think yeah. this is going to be horrible. You go to the car, get changed, come back, and it's like, oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah there's that the other one um, yeah so basically I start accidentally playing the chords to Castles in the Sky and I'd heard George or just George do it a oh, few yeah. weeks before so I just thought you know what I'm going to try this because there's not that many words I know the words to it it's just give it a go see what happens so I've fought my way through this tune get to the chorus, there's people on tables like banging the tables, proper hitting it. And it was like a festival feel. Oh, it yeah, was yeah. absolutely unbelievable. Um, <laughs> in terms of funny <laughs> gig stories, oh my God, I don't think anything can get more horrifying <laughs> and um, and hilarious at the same time. Um, 
So, oh, which one do I pick now? Because I've just remembered another. We'll probably do an episode on this because there's, yeah. there's so much in there. Right, I'm going to go with the first one. So we played at the old Black Bull in Preston with Flash Flood. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to this venue, but they like the live music. Bobby, um, who runs it, is absolutely superb. Um, and, wow, it's just unbelievable to play. Um but someone always falls over our gear and there's always one idiot in there. It's just, it's always funny. So we're playing there. It's just before Christmas. Group of rowdy lads walk in and there's one that's just 10 times rowdier than the other. So I think it might have been a Christmas do. Anyway, he's getting on tables. He's dancing with anyone and everyone flirting with anyone and everyone and we're just laughing half, <laughs> oh, halfway through and um we've come off at half time someone's fallen over the gear again um a punter not yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. a punter because i keep dancing right next to I the monitor see, so that then backward dancing goes over the monitor drink in hand someone fell on my monitor and, and fucking broke my monitor once oh <laughs> mate it just does your head in so we lost a couple of leads that night yeah. Um, and then with that, this guy stands up onto a table in front of everyone, riles the crowd up. <laughs> He's got a crowd of people around him. They're like, there's more people watching them than watching us. <laughs> like, we're looking at each other going, what's he doing? Like, what is this guy doing? And the next thing, no word of a light, he unbelts his trousers, <laughs> pulls his pants down. <laughs> Uh, you see everything. We just luckily saw the back end, which was bad enough. Um, there's people with horrific looks on their faces. <laughs> the manager of the bar rugby tackles really? him, picks him up and throws him out of the bar. It was quality. What, I've never his, seen anything like down? it. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got this guy basically on this woman's shoulders. Oh. Basically getting rugby tackled off a table. Wow. Like, not no word of a lie, this happened. Picked him up and lobbed him out the venue. It wow. was nuts. Um, it was absolutely nuts. We've we've never seen anything like it before or since. And now, obviously, um, Chris Bowden's still your mate to this day, isn't he? So Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually surprised that night it wasn't Chris. Now, <laughs> um, well, um if he had been drunk, there was a very high chance that yeah. that could have been him. <laughs> um, right, but okay. Yeah, yeah, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was they. They are definitely my two most memorable yeah, ones no, that I can no, think that of. Sounds good. Right. So, uh, okay. So you did this one for me as well, then. So, what would you say to your sixteen-year-old self that's just getting into music, in, into bands, and and whatever else? What would you say to him now, as as you sat yeah. here? Uh, I would say it's all going to be okay. But do us a favour, <laughs> quit sticking to your bedroom, get out to open mic nights in Ipswich, wherever, go and watch a few bands, mm. go and ask for some advice, take it on board, save your money, get some gear and go out and gig. Yeah. Because that's what you're going to love doing. Yeah, yeah. That is what you're going to do. And if you want to be a professional musician, you need to have your name out there. So get out to as many open mics as possible Get yourself a PA system. 
Get off your high, get off your high horse. Learn as many acoustic covers as possible and go and play. Did you think about it back then, or did you just kind of didn't know that's what you should be doing? I thought I was gonna. You, you know how it is. You always plan your life out as a kid, and you think everything's easier than it actually yeah, is. Yeah. So, more than anything, then I was probably focused on songwriting a bit too much, and I was writing a hundred <laughs> crap songs a month. Um, I think one or two of them stuck mm. for a time and one of them I've just ended up leaving out because it's just, it's not my life now. Lyrically, I'm much better than that. Um, probably the oldest song that I've still got is from when I was 21. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of a case now of, yeah, I feel like I always knew that I was going to do music or wanted to do music, but, I wasn't doing the things to get there. I see, I see. Right, let's make these a little bit more quick fire. So, yeah. um, so you 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 with your band or you with your you're doing your solo. One thing you wish punters would understand a little bit more about maybe what you do or or maybe some of the boundaries. It could be anything to be fair, but yeah. one one thing that you wish punters would understand a little bit more. Oh, I can't decide which one is more important really, because I would I'm I'm going to go with the fact that just because just because I can sing and I can play a guitar doesn't mean I know every song. Yeah. Because <laughs> you get people asking for requests all the time and when you can't play it, some of them get really hard. Oh, you can do that one. Yeah, you can. You can do that. I'll sing it with you. Yeah, I'll do it with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's not how it works, mate. I'm getting paid to sing just... <laughs> leave me alone I can't play that song if I could I would play it for yeah, you yeah. okay so, so one thing that you could change that would make your job as a as a musician easier so in, in the pubs basically yeah I would probably say I'd probably say for people to just get involved yeah because one of the hardest parts of actually playing and singing in front of a crowd is talking to people in between and yeah. getting them involved and you know, there's there's certain pubs you go to. I get like there's some sort of places with a vibe like an open mic where it's more intimate and you yeah. get people more listening to you than yeah. getting involved. But if it's a Friday or a Saturday night, lighten up a bit. Like, yeah, yeah. Get involved. Throw some abuse at me. I don't care. I'll give <laughs> you back. I'll, I'll slam yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I'll slam you. I'll literally will come back at you and give yeah, it as good as I get. Yeah. Whether you, whether I beat you, if you beat, give me something that absolutely beats me, I'll just totally applaud you. <laughs> but it makes for a better night. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying be a dickhead. Do it within reason. But it's like a comedian, I think, for me. If if someone's heckling you, then it turns into banter. Mm. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, and it, it and, makes you perform better as well, doesn't it? Yeah, because you just... Oh right, they're well into this. So yeah. I, I can relax now. I always find that the 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 more miserable people are, the harder I find it to perform. Um, whereas when it's bouncing, it, it's just a lot easier generally, isn't it, to, to bring yeah. out the best in yourself? Right. Okay. So, uh, could you recommend a local musician or a local band that you either really enjoy seeing um, in the you know actual gigs or on you enjoy their videos on social media or whatever it is, but a local musician that you you would recommend to to people. Uh, right, I've got two. So covers-wise, our good friend Chris Healy, I've got to say yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I've got to say it. Um, him. 
original music-wise, there is a band. They're not from necessarily Lancashire area, but they are from... Uh, Northwich, I believe, and they gig a lot around Warrington, Manchester, Liverpool. If anyone gets a chance to go and see Muddy Elephant, okay, um, they are top lads. They're an absolute brilliant band. They know this stuff, and they've got some really catchy tunes. So if you're on Spotify or anything, go and check them okay. out. They I'll have a look at them as well. All right, right. We're going to finish the episode on some really, really quick fire questions. So what do we call this? Is it uh, Would You Rather? This no, or not, that? This or that? Okay, okay. So I'm going to give you two options, and you just basically give me in a very, in a nutshell, what what you prefer. So pub or club? Pub. Pub. Okay. Good stuff for your mates and a few pints. Better than. Dancing yeah. to 50 Cent in the club or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Guitar or vocals, what would you prefer? If you had to lose one of them and become the other. Oh, I'd go with vocals. Okay. Uh, 80s or 60s, that can be culturally, it can be musically. What era would you rather live in, the 80s or the 60s? 60s. Yeah, Bit bit more fun-loving. Yeah. Yeah. Money or fame? I'd have to go with money. I couldn't yeah. be dealing with fame. Yeah, yeah, you can hide away with a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Premier League or Champions League? What would you prefer to win? Oh, this is a big one. I thought as a Liverpool fan, yeah, this, would be a this no is a big one because we've won the. Yeah, being a Liverpool fan, we've won the Champions League so many times, but the Premier League is bread and butter, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So it's Premier League, is it? Yeah. Okay. Indian food or Chinese food? Easy one. Well, easy one. You know, a stereotypical uh, one. Indian. Indian. Okay. Yeah. Indian. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Arctic Monkeys or the Kooks? Two indie bands from the early two thousands, of course. So this one's more about albums for me. Yeah. Um Both of them had first albums that every song was an absolute banger. Mm. Oh, mate, that's hard. I'd probably say the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, I think that's a general consensus, isn't it? I always go for kooks for some reason. I like Arctic Monkeys, but I think... Yeah, I think it depends what you like. Yeah. I think overall, since since the first album, I'd probably pick the kooks. Yeah. But going off the first album, the Arctic Monkeys like mm. literally fired in it. If they'd have stuck with what they were doing, obviously you've got to change. But yeah. I think if they'd have stuck what they were doing at the beginning... They'd probably still ha they wouldn't be getting half the criticism yeah. they are now. The Kicks have just brought out a new album as well that I quite like, and it sort of sticks to their roots a little bit more so anyway. Yeah, yeah I've got yeah. not got round to listening to that one yeah. yet, but I did hear a couple of songs when I saw them live last year, and it was the whole gig. Was have you heard brilliant. that one? I just want to make a connection. Have you heard that? Yeah, one? I, like I loved that one. it. I loved it when they played it live. Yeah. It was quality. Right. Okay. So you're writing your own song, and the producer says you have to include either a banjo or a fiddle in your song. Which one would you choose? Oh, fiddle. All a fiddle. Day long. I love strings. Yeah, you know a little fiddle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> God, leave that in. Do not edit that out. That's quality. Right. Last one. Would you rather be a Tory or a bin man? Bin man. Yeah. No, there's no fucking way I'm being a Tory. Fuck the Tories. <laughs> and on that, on that note, <laughs> hope you've enjoyed getting to know Lee a little bit more. And um, of course, we want you to suggest guests that we can have on as well. Um, so get in the comments, suggest some guests. And if there's anything else you want to learn about Lee, you never know down the line, we might do an extra episode as well. So uh, that's yeah. all for now, I think, isn't it? It certainly is. Thank you very much for listening to my story today. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe us on YouTube if you're watching it on here. Uh, rate and review us on your favourite podcast platform and follow us on TikTok, Facebook and Instagram at Tom'scast1. One. Numero uno. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Nice one. Cheers. Cheers.